What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Rob and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 156 as we chat with preacher, business coach, and strategist Les Hughes about his surprising career path, how we can think more strategically about our own businesses, what he does to help his clients transform their businesses, and the power of volunteer work to change lives. Hey, Les. Oh, thank you all both. Kira, great to talk with you again. Rob, great to talk with you as well. I really look forward to our conversation today. Yeah, it's so great to hear your voice. Um, We we met in Ray Edwards' Mastermind um, last year, and it was so great to meet you. And I'm just happy to hang out with you for the next hour um, because it's been a while since we've chatted. So, Let's kick this off with your story, Les. How did you end up as a a preacher, a pastor to pastors, a coach, a strategist to business leaders, a copywriter, and many other things? Before I do that, I will do that. And thank you for asking. Before I do, I'd like to share, if I could take a point of personal privilege. So I'm going to ask for forgiveness rather than permission, okay? But I... (laughs) Kira, you're, the people that the people that know you are going to know what I'm going to say, but maybe new listeners or those that only listen to you're making me podcast, nervous. Well, don't be. It's going to be good. <laughs> but listen, I it's going to it's going to be a little un- uncomfortable for you, but that's all right. I want your audience to know what a what a giving and servant hearted person you are, genuinely. Uh, and and I don't. That doesn't. I think that doesn't come always across um, on your podcast because you're also very professional and and um, and and objective and friendly and all of that. You're a very organized person, but I want the people that are listening to this to know that you are one of the most giving, kind, empathetic people in this space that I've met. So. I just wanted to say that I want. I don't know if I'd ever told you that, but I wanted you to know that when we began uh, our relationship in the mastermind group together, you were certainly further ahead than many of us in terms of your your business. But boy, you came into that group and with a servant's heart, and have been so helpful to me personally. So thank you for the things that you've done. So now, I, now high I praise. Yeah, <laughs> and now I'll be glad to tell the story. Thank so, you, uh, Les. That's- I, you're That's welcome. very kind of you. Thank you're, you. You're welcome. I um I began sensing uh, as a as a very young adult, actually probably a senior in high school, that there was something pulling on me. You know, I, I realized later on it was someone, and that was God. And I I just felt as if there was a sense of calling on my life to do something in terms of ministry. I I'd, I'd grown up in that environment. My uh, both of my parents were faithful followers of Jesus, and so that was the environment that I was raised in. But as I got to making those decisions on my own, it it began to become my faith and not just my parents' faith. I learned I did not believe at first that that was going uh, that was going to be in the pastorate because I was by nature I'm a major introvert. The pastors that I had had as I was growing up were larger than life figures. They were they were magnetic and charismatic and 
and never seemed like they met a stranger. And that certainly wasn't me. But as I grew, I just realized that God had made me the way he made me for a reason and that I didn't need to be anyone else. He, God had them. He made them. So I just began to grow into that. I learned later on that, grow into that calling that is. And then I learned later on that this concept of calling it's not only for people who are, you know, professional ministers. It can be for anyone. And, um, you know, the our the word we get the word vocation from is actually voca. It's a Latin word that means to call. So before we got into sort of the modern era and made this distinction between the sac- sacred and the secular, people had much more of a holistic view of the world as sort of all being sacred. And whether someone was a, a carpenter or an artist or a pastor, it was all calling, you know. Uh, so that's where that all started. And to put a transition point in sort of a nutshell, about 2015, I came to the end of about a three-year fight with, and that's it's just a, it was a struggle between leadership and a church that I served at the time. And it was it really came to a head. It came to a point. All I'd really done in ministry life is pastor local church, but it really got to a point in terms of knocking heads with some leadership in the direction that I was leading versus the direction that many of them, some of them wanted to go. And after that fight, it was just time for me to go. So the best thing for me to do for, especially my family, my, my wife and I, and the environment that we were in, it was just not healthy for us at that time. And though we weren't angry at 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 the ministry overall, or certainly didn't blame God, there were a few individuals that just caused us to reevaluate where we were. And we ended up leaving that local church. And there I was trying to figure out what was going to be next. And so, you know, the I, even though I wasn't an employee of a local church anymore, I still had this sense of calling on my life that had to do with uh, teaching scripture and a very practical and relevant way for people to understand and and life transformation and and faith and all of and and people you know just ministering to people and helping people with life stuff and that didn't change though I wasn't an employee of the church so I began to look at other other ways to have that kind of ministry that led me to many people in in our space uh, especially years ago such as Michael Hyatt and others that talked about having a platform I began to do a lot of homework and a lot of research and then tried some things. I just began began blogging and writing and I already I had published a book so there was some writing in my background and writing is really just another it's a manifestation of a teaching platform or teaching ministry. And then doors just began to evolve and open up and we can go into some of those specifics as you all like, but that's really what my transformation was like and although we still my wife and I still serve uh, the local church, and we love ministry. I've got young son. I've got sons now, uh, adult sons that are also pastoring local churches, and I I want them and and other pastors too to know that you know they're about believe it or not they're about fifteen hundred pastors of churches that are leaving their their ministry about every month, and a lot of them don't know what to do now. And I'm trying to mentor and coach some of them as well, as well as my own sons to say, you know, maybe, maybe God's 
desire for you, maybe maybe his mission for you is more vast than only that one local church setting. It certainly includes that, but uh, that's what I'm trying to help people do, or what I'm helping people do now, including my own sons, so that you know my 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 wife used to talk about just trusting God for our income and trusting God for our livelihood. And we certainly do, you know, but those people sometimes, you know, that's a little different, that's a little different story. So uh, I I just saw that it was unwise to kind of put all your eggs in one basket. And, and this is the economy that we're living in now, not only in ministry, but I think most vocations, it's a, it's much more of a freelance economy where we're we're the CEO of our own organization, and so it's really up to us. Les, as you made that transition in your life from you know being a pastor at a church to the next step, will you talk through how you thought about the platform that you needed to build and the different things? I know you mentioned blogging and and the writing that you were doing, but the other things that you did to start building your authority as you were you know building this platform to go after the next group of people that you could help. Sure, Rob. The, the I think the hardest part was probably the mindset of all that, because you know that the uh, the inner as well as the outer voices um, we like security and and safety and and the known, and are, it's it's a little fearful to go out there into the unknown. But I would say mine mine evolved over the course of time. I, I'm a researcher and a um, I love to study. I love to prepare and and. And do the work of that as well as deliver it. And what happened was I just got to a point in my life, even before I, I had left that particular ministry, that particular church, I just started to have this sense that um, I'd been a consumer for all of my life. And I'd been that guy that didn't see himself as an authority because I want I just want to be a lifetime learner. But I got to the point where I just started to understand that that especially young men in ministry were and, and young couples were coming in my, my wife and me and men were coming to me in ministry and asking me to help them, you know, and bring in certain maybe conflicts or, or dilemmas that they were facing, or maybe they needed to, some help with a, a strategy to, to grow or to reach a certain group of people or to do a missions strategy or something, you know, that nature. And I got, I just started to realize, Hey, I'm that guy now. I'm not, I've consumed long enough and now I need to, I need to give more. And so it, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like a, a switch just flipped in my mind, but it, it progressed over a short period of time where it, it kind of started to happen organically and I leaned into it instead of avoiding it. And then some of it just comes with, with time and experience and, and some success. We'd, we'd been in some really successful uh, growing ministries, and people take notice of that. So I don't know if that, that answers part of your question, but um, that's that's how it happened to me personally. Yeah, Les, can you talk about the vocation economy? You know, you mentioned having a calling, and I know this is something that we had chatted about, you know, last time we had met, like having this one big calling feels so overwhelming to me. It's like, I don't, it puts pressure on you. Like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I have the right calling. What is my calling? Am I getting this right? Um, how do you kind of see the calling concept fitting into the vocation economy and the future of the vocation economy, especially, you know, for all of us, but especially in terms of copywriters and, and how they should approach 
their business and their growth as they think five years ahead and and um, ten years ahead. Well, from my, I'll I'll try to answer that from two different perspectives. From from a faith perspective, part of it is taking. You know, we the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. So there are lots of characters in Scripture that had this sense of calling in their life, some very prominent and some rather obscure. But what the one thing common in both of them is, and, and, all of, and about all of them, is that they, they never saw the complete picture ever, really. Certainly not early on. But they they did, they were required to sort of take just the next step that they did, though. If you could picture uh, being on a dark pathway at night and you've got a flashlight that only shows a few feet, say a dim flat, or maybe your cell phone, then you can see far enough to take the next step, but you, you're not going to be able to see all the way to your destination. And that's the that's the walk of faith. And the good news about that is, man, it, a lot of this has to do with our concept of God, but God doesn't, he's not cruel. He's not, he's not trying to hide things from us or play games with us. I mean, he loves us, right? And, and he, he wants us to be able to succeed, to glorify him. And so when we when we have that concept of God, he's not like um, playing a, a, some sort of shell game where you better pick, you better pick the right one or you're going to get it wrong. I think the longer I I do what we're doing right now, and and more of more of this open freelance sort of economy, or I, I don't know that it I don't know that it matters as much which one of those passions or callings you choose is that whatever you do, you, you go for it, you know, and, and, and don't look back and be persistent and coachable and teachable and just, and, and get after it. it. There's, there's no quick fix, but you see the people that are being successful in this world that we're in, they, they find a place where they can, they can really be who they are and and shine, be who God created them to be, and then they just do not give up. There and there are a lot more components to it, but I think that's a big part of it. Is to whatever I have people approach me quite often and say, I just don't want to get this wrong. Can I pick the right thing? Well, I I remember having that mindset, and I still do some days. It's like, do I do I create this course, or do I lean more into the membership, or do I look for some more coaching clients, or begin a group? I mean, there are a lot of possibilities. But I think once you make that decision to to just see it through, you know, and I don't know that it's more important. I've had coaches tell me this, like, uh, you know, we both know Ray Edwards. And one of the things that Ray would say is, well, what? tell me what you want. Don't Don't worry about what you think everybody else wants. What do you really want? And that's a really great question. And then when you lean into that, and it ought to be fun when you get up in the morning and think about doing it, you know, you ought to look forward to it. You ought to not dread it. And um, this life, it's a journey, man. And it's not about just the destination we reach. It's about the joy that we have in the journey and the lives that we impact along the way. And uh, I want to enjoy this this venture that we're on. You know, and I think the way to do that is not to worry so much that we're just picking the right thing. It's just that once we once we lean into something, go for it. And then, you know what? We trust we trust God or, or trust other people that we trust or our mentors or coaches to be honest with us if they think that we're going down a path that's not healthy for us. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I, I think it makes sense. So as you uh, discovered the thing that you wanted most and you started to lean into that less, were there marketing tactics or strategies that you used to connect with your ideal prospects and the people that you wanted to work with? Yes, there's there are man there are so many I think there but there are some common factors to most of them uh, that are sort of tried and true and proven. I um, I went the course route, so I bought I, I invested in some uh, platform resources, especially early on that Michael Hyatt was doing, and I, I love um, I, I invested in some of the uh, tribe resources that Stu McLaren is is doing, and actually. Here's what I would do if, as I look back, and as people of uh, the people that I'm I'm coaching and asking about their next steps, I really wish that I would have. First of all, I want I should have I should have begun playing, uh, realizing that you could play a bigger game instead of kind of the the small ball with blogging and 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 um, some courses and writing materials that just only a few people were were seeing as i look back it was a great start it was a great way to learn but i would have i would have expedited this process if i would have just known the the value of of coming alongside that personal coach or a or a very small mastermind group of live people that could answer real questions and share from their experience instead of, again, I mentioned that I'm by nature, I'm an introvert. So there was some safety in those courses. Like I didn't have to look anybody in the eyes and, 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 and um, uh, be embarrassed by mistakes that I would make or just by not getting it or not understanding the terms that they were using. But now going, I've, I've jumped so much by the people that I've been around in the last year or two and the personal coaches that I've had and have now, it's just amazing. So I, I wish that I'd have done that sooner. I didn't, can't go back, but if I were sharing this with anybody who's new to this, uh, to this environment, this space that we're in, I'd say, find that person who's got that life that you think that you really desire and then find as much as you can about them. I mean, we don't just trust anybody with this part of our life, Right. But then in, invest in that relationship, and this th- there are there are many strate- uh, strategies and, and tactics that'll that'll work. But man, that personal relationship with the person who's been there is invaluable. Les, I'd love to hear about what tactics or strategies um, beyond what you just shared, which is really important, playing a bigger game. But what else has worked? Uh, where you're like, oh, wow, this, this finally helped me. Like I was struggling, but now this really helped me move forward five steps. Okay. One was in, uh, for a long time, I was trying to find a, um, I was trying to find a, uh, some kind of lead, you know, the magic lead magnet that would just bring dozens and then hundreds or thousands, <laughs> right. you know, and it's magical, at, one, at one time, absolutely. If you find the right lead magnet, you know, that that's going to do it. And there were some very successful people and, and, and they're not in the people that talk about the value of that lead magnet are not wrong. I mean, it certainly is. It's just, I began, I was thinking that there was a document or a PDF or a video course or something out there that would be the magic bullet. But here's the thing that I found for me that worked. I, I just, started thinking of a way that I, the, the thing that people res, were responding to the most, 
that I was doing, I tried to, to leverage the best way that I could to do it in a natural way. So they didn't seem like, hey, you just you're just looking for somebody's email address. And I'll go back, I'm gonna go back to the, the value of that email in, in a few moments. But I started thinking about what I could do. So the so the thing that I if 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 uh if I were to give uh, to list some kind of superpower, uh, it would be the thing that I feel most strongly about is taking the Bible and then for for people who want to to grow in this way to put it on a, on a really low shelf to take what can seem like a complicated collection of, of uh, books and put them down in a very practical way for people to live out who desire to live that faith led life every day. That that's what it is. So what I began to do was and this, uh, what I began to do was put out a, it's a daily devotion. It's very short could be done in just a just a couple of minutes every single day for people that want to start their day off that way. And it sounds like a really simple thing, but when I started to do that and put it when I would I would speak somewhere, I would mention it, have a list of in the back that people could sign like after they would hear me speak or preach, they could they could sign up or they could go to a my website and they could do uh and th- they didn't know it's called an opt-in, but it's an opt-in to receive that. I get a lot of feedback from that. Now, I I've, I've got to either do it every day or batch some which is easy to do now with the automation we have. And that goes out every day. But as, in terms of building a tribe of lo- loyal people and in, ter- in the marketing terms of warm audience, that's as warm as it gets for me because the content that I produce, whether it be in, in, uh, um, co- in coaching or in membership or courses or videos that I produce, it's, it's going to be a different deliverable of that same thing. So if somebody's already said, I'm interested in that, then there's a good chance they're going to be interested in an, in an up, to use our language, in an upsell of that or a different version of that. That's been as big a catalyst, just practically in, in, in everyday terms, that's been a, as big a catalyst as anything that I've done in terms of seeing success and people actually hitting the button to buy. And that and that and that email list, I've, you know, it's a, it's a little bit sounds a little bit cliche because so many people say it, but there's a reason so many people say it, and there's a reason that they ask for it. And as much as uh, people depend upon social media and other outlets, they have their place as well. But there's a reason that all even those social media uh, platforms, there's a reason they ask for your email address first. You own that. And anything else can be switched up, but but that's that's permission that they've given you to to be in their life, and I just think that's huge. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Les, tell us a little bit about your business today. Who it is that you uh, serve? What it is that you help them do? And some of the success that your clients are seeing. Primarily, I help pastors and other leaders, who especially Christian leaders make wise decisions in order to achieve their their personal and professional goals and that and that includes whatever life mission they feel like is theirs i want to help them achieve that so you know especially in in scripture we we just got again this is this is my world so we've got these 66 books that have i mean literally the wisdom of the ages in them and there are a lot of people who believe so strongly in those principles 
but it's like, okay, well, how, how does that affect the decisions that I make each day? So I've been, I've also been in the marketplace when I, when I left the the local pastor a couple of years ago, I began working in corporate America some with a, in a company that was starting a network of, um, of, of Christian entrepreneurs and business leader kind of a nationwide network. And so I, I, I learned a lot about corporate world as well. And, you know, people we're, we're back, we're back to, we're back to the uh, language of calling again, but people in the faith community and, you know, even outside the faith community, more and more are having this sense of, you know, I want to outlive my life. I want to invest in something. I want to be a part of something bigger than I am. And so that's what I'm helping people do as well as like, uh, like I mentioned, the 15, uh, the, um, 1500 or so pastors and ministers that are leaving ministry every month. So I want to come alongside of them and say, hey, man, you don't have to have, you don't have to be an employee of a church to fulfill this um, sense of calling you have on your life. So I'll, I'll come along. I'll just show you my own experience. Let me coach you some, and I'll show you what it means to have a platform and to use the tools that we have at our uh, disposal to build a to build an audience and build a tribe and then serve people in that way. Um, I've, I've, I'm also I've also coach um, people that are in, I have a PhD, so I, I know a little bit about walking through the doctoral process and um, any, there are a lot of ministers that go on and get their doctorate. So I also coach students in their uh, doctoral work. They can have outside input. And so I kind of help them reach their goals as well. So we might have a few people in our audience, you know, that are thinking about doing some kind of a ministry, but most of our audience is obviously copywriters and people that are looking to serve their clients in unique ways. How can they take some of those ideas uh, that you're teaching? Uh, and maybe a better question is, you know, what are the things that they should be doing to build their own authority to, you know, make it possible for those kinds of relationships to flourish so that they can actually serve their clients the way they want to? Yeah, well, the first thing is to to know those people, and and really be inside, be, get inside their heads, and know what pain points there are. You know, people are very, very unique, and this is just something coming out of the pastorate that I've learned, and that is that people themselves are very, very unique, but pain is universal, and people are. I, I began this kind of this journey thinking more about products that people might want, you know, studies on certain, whether it be Bible books or, or leadership principles or something like they really don't, they want outcomes that people want results. I want results too. And man, I think if you focus on those, those pay, where, where people really are hurting, what problem can we solve? That's what people end up hiring folks for. And as I've, I mean, we, in this space, we've, we've, we bring in a sense of we're all copywriters, whether we put that, you know, on our on our website or, or, or our or our business cards or not. We 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 write copy. I would say for anybody that uh, is especially in the copywriting world, man, get in get in that tribe, start building that that network of people you you know, love and trust, and then produce and then and then just produce some content and, and get after it. Um, 
what I what I see a lot of people doing now is, uh, and, and what I've tried to develop now, Kira and, and Rob, this is in the last, I'd say in the last six months, this has been fairly new for me. And that is to come up with not just uh, products that are kind of unrelated to one another, but an actual success path and, and a framework because people want a system. They, we, we just naturally want the path of least resistance, you know, and it makes sense to go from point. If you want to go from point A to point B, the best way to do it is not just to get in the car and take off, but to really have a, a way to get there. And I think if you want to become an authority in the niche, in the niche or, or niche, depending upon the where, where in North America you're from, if you want to come up, if you want to be an authority, then you, you need to come up with a framework that is yours. And it can be it it can be tweaked and, and modified and, and elements borrowed from somewhere else. But when it's all said and done, it needs to be something that you can kind of put your name on and that you can own and then share with others. So a framework, a success path, a strategy, whether whatever form that's in, whether it's a, whether it's book form or or videos or podcasts or whatever that is, it's a it's just about doing your homework, knowing your audience, and then taking them from where they are to where they want to be. I, I love frameworks. As we had Mel Abraham on our show. Yes. Rob, you probably, Rob, you probably know the podcast number um, for Mel Abraham. but uh, We will post it in the show notes so that people can look for that <laughs> if they want to. You always know them. So we love talking about frameworks, but I also love the idea of the success path. And it's so relevant. It's relevant for what you do with memberships and courses. Um, but for copywriters who are working with clients on an individual basis, it's also relevant because clients come to us and they have one big problem or a lot of little problems. And, and they're looking to us as the service provider to take them on a path to success and show them what it looks like. And um, sometimes that's one month, sometimes that's one day, sometimes that's a year or two. But I think I haven't really thought of my copywriting service in terms of, oh, I need to create a success path for my clients. I've thought about it in terms of our membership um, but it's a really great outlook and perspective. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And you know what, could I just add one more thing, Kira, about that? I would say to serve, to serve your client, if you're, if you're listening to this and, and you're a copywriter, I, I, early on when I was beginning to work with copywriters, I wasn't giving them enough. I thought I was, but I really wasn't, you know, I, I was, I just wasn't giving them enough. And if you're, if you're in that world and, and you're especially starting a relationship with a new client, don't, they may, they may get a little frustrated with you, but don't be afraid to ask deeper questions. If, if they're not giving you what they, what you need to really, to really serve them. I wasn't, I just didn't know I wasn't, I know now. <laughs> but I just, I just wasn't giving them. I, I, I felt like the things that I said made sense and that they would get it because, um, because I got it, but they couldn't read my mind. And, and I had, I still had really good experiences with the copywriters that I partnered with, but I just realized now I could have given them so much more to make their job a whole lot easier and make the process better. So I, I just, I don't know. I felt like, like I needed to share that with your listeners too. All right. And as a follow-up, uh, I'll see if this question comes out, right? It's kind of um, 
muddled in my mind, but I know you and I had talked about different leaders in the online marketing space and we had thrown out some names and, and what they were doing really well. I don't know if you're comfortable sharing their names, but um, we spoke highly of them. And I know you're such a student in this online marketing space and you have taken courses and you observe and see what's working and not working along with your own coaching that you have in your business. So I guess my question is, um, what have you noticed really sets apart the leaders in the online marketing space um, from the more so average uh, online marketers in this space that we're all in? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll I'll mention two um, that that seem to at least for me they they just they they seem to get me and get my world. Even though we're very very different, I trust them. So to me, so much of it, Kira, is based on trust. It just, you, man, if you don't trust someone, you're not going to follow them. People follow who they trust, even if they're different. So one of one of those individuals would be Ray Edwards. And that's where I met you in Ray's mastermind group. Ray and I, in many ways, are very different. But the reason that I contacted him to begin with is I, I mentioned uh, enrolling and investing in the tribe course that Stu McLaren taught it as in as in a in terms of principle I want to share that because I early on I just had a hard time investing especially then what was major money for me but it it's you can't we can't ask someone else namely those that we serve or our clients we can't we can't expect them to do things we're not willing to do and we're asking them sometimes to make an investment in their personal growth or in their business, if they were to turn around and say, well, are you, we, we better be able to say absolutely. And a lot because we believe in it so much. So that's where I, I heard Ray mentioned by Stu McLaren in that, in the tribe uh, environment, in the, probably the groups or chats or something, because Ray shared my faith as a Christian, you know, and so I just began to listen to him and follow him, listen to his podcast on, and, and what he was saying resonated with me in terms of, you know, having that life mission and not and not compartmentalizing your life and saying, well, I've got my vocation here and then I've got church or ministry over here. But I mean, it's just our our life is our life. You know, we're all it's all mixed together. That was huge for me. And when I got in that group and began to really see what was going on, I didn't know who Ray Edwards was at the beginning. I, I know now he's one of the most prolific copywriters in the world, but I, I didn't know that at the time I made an, for me, it was a significant, almost a crazy investment to get into that mastermind group with, uh, with Ray and the other folks that were in there. But here's bottom line of, of why I'm sharing that. Some people believe that Ray's superpower is his copywriting. And granted, man, he he's a good one. And he seems to know when people are sort of struggling with the right phrase or the right word, he just seems to know how to how to nail it, you know. And when you hear him say it, it's like, oh man, why did I think of that? His titles are are good, his content's good, but that's really not Ray's superpower. Ray's super, in my opinion at least, Ray's superpower is empathy. He has a way of he listens to people. He, he reads between the lines. He sees their body language, their facial expressions, I suppose. And it just, when, he, when they speak, man, he really focuses in on what they're saying. And then he has a way of giving that whatever solution, phrase, 
whatever deliverable it is, it's answering. It, it's it's doing it from the standpoint as if that person had the ability to answer that question on their own. That's how they'd answer it. And I think that to me was huge to see how how Ray and it comes from a, lo- a genuine love for people and wanting to serve them, and then also seeing some of the physical adversity that he goes through uh, in dealing with his Parkinson's diagnosis. And I think of the the advantages that that most people have physically compared to the challenges that he faces. And I don't see how how anybody could quit if they just see some of the things that he faces. And the second person that I'll hush is, is that, that's really been really helpful to me is Dan Miller. And that there's so many com- and they're very different. I mean, uh, you know, Ray lives out in the the Northwest. Uh, Dan lives in Nashville and, and just outside Nashville and Franklin. They're very different, but they both have that same empathy toward people. They care about people. They're they're giving. They serve others, and that's what it's all about to me. So I hope that gets to your question. But those are the ones, and even the ones that I don't know personally, but just watch from a distance. They just are they're they're serving their people, and they. There's there's a level of confidence also, Kira and Rob, that that come with the the more that you do it, and it's um it's a subtle unspoken thing, but people notice that we want to be around people that aren't not not people that are arrogant, but that are that are they have a confident humility about them. You know what I mean? They just have a confident humility, and I would say that about those individuals. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about myself. I have a lot to be humble about, so uh, but I should probably be more more humble than, than what I am. So um, I'm I'm curious, Les. You know, as you work with your clients and help them make you know their own transitions in life, are there things that you teach them or that you do to help them think more strategically that we can take into our own businesses and think differently about the things that we're doing or the places that we want to move our business into? Yes. Um, and that we, let me share with you what's just on the top of my mind. And if you want to dig any deeper, we can, I think the, um, the book, the one thing was very helpful to me. Like I know how, how important it is to focus, but to me, that question and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase the question, but it's the, it's the gist of it is what one thing can I do or what one step can I take? What one thing can I do next that by doing it will make everything else easier or unnecessary? So there are so many possibilities in the space that we're in. You, you can go in so many different directions. But with the day that I started to, fo- and I've had, this is what I've helped my clients do. Okay, tell me what it is that you really and truly want. Like, what what do you want most? What do you want to happen next? And let's talk about not that, but let's talk about what's what next step can get you closer to that. So whether it's you know for me it was doing the work of of starting to crank out that that devotion every day. And, and, and slowly then that word started to get out and that tribe started to grow. And there's not, I've tried other lead magnets and other, and other ideas, but nothing has clicked with the, the folks that I'm trying to serve like that has that. And that's, but that's just the, the next thing. And then that's going to, that that's led to, I mean, there's been some courses that I've done, some conversations that I've had. I, I'll give an example. Uh, one of my goals is to have a couple of, uh, coaching like 
mastery level coaching or mentoring groups of pastors by the end of this year. So I could start spraying emails and getting on, put on Facebook or podcasting and all, and there'd be a place for all that. But the thing that I've done first is pick up the phone and start talking to individuals I know to see if, if they or anyone that they know would be interested in being in a group like that and what we would accomplish. And you know something, the easiest, the easiest thing that we do to get, to get that word out is also the easiest thing that they can say no to. For example, email or a mass text or, um, you know, a, a social media platform of some kind. That's easy to do. It's also easy to say no to. It's harder to pick up the phone or to get on a Zoom call and ask somebody personally, but that's also harder to say no to. And so the str- as far as the strategy or helping my clients, we focus a lot on just next steps to get that, get that win under their belt. And that helps create some momentum for the end goal. Let's talk about copywriting. Um, you know, you don't really necessarily introduce yourself as a copywriter, or at least you haven't when I've hung out with you, but you write daily emails, weekly emails, um, content for your courses. You write a lot. Um, so can you just talk a little bit about your writing process? Um, you know, if you have a step-by-step writing process or even just what's helped you improve your writing over time, uh, what's been really useful to you? The, the most useful thing to me was to, to in, in the kind of writing that I do, so I, I'm, I'm big on narrative and stories because I think we all, innately, I think most people are wired to, to listen to stories, to be focused in on stories. There's a lot of reasons for that. And my, my ultimate mentor, you know, is, is Jesus. And he was a master storyteller. And there are some things that I've done to get become better at at storytelling. Um, so writing is just a different form of telling a story. But early on, and I didn't realize I was doing it at the time, Kira. But what I what I began to do is I was just intrigued by really good storytellers, and so I would listen to them. Going whether, whether it goes back to somebody like a uh, like for old school people like a Garrison Keeler, or somebody more modern, like a, like a Donald Miller or someone like that. in in our era, there, there are some people out there that are just great storytellers. The motivational uh, speakers that a lot of people in our world, in our space, listen to, whether it be uh, Jim Rome or, or some, or Zig Ziglar or some of the others, uh, they are great storytellers. There's now there's something to that. Like I'm, and I'm, there's no re- reason to kind of reinvent that. It, it goes back too far. It, it, it's, it's ancient. So, you know, when when um, the African-American culture is, I think, overall much better at, at this probably than those of us that grew up in, in more of an Anglo culture, because that's how they handed down a good bit of their history. So if you listen, you know, uh, African-American pastors, for the most part, are sort of known for having this way about them that they just start telling these, whether it be in a biblical story or a historical, uh, more of a historical narrative, they'll just draw you into that. And one of the reasons is that for, for a long time, that's how they actually handed down their history is to do it in a, in a storytelling way. So I began to listen to people who were really good storytellers and then that, so that's kind of, I think that comes across in my writing. And um, uh, 
I wanted to be conversational. I wanted to be sitting like sitting down and having a cup of coffee with me. And that's, that's one of my goals. So I usually begin with this, with a, I've got a, I've got a, 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 tr- a principle or a principle or a, or a teaching from scripture that I want to, that I want to share, but I'll start with a story and, or, or, a, or it ends up being a problem or a pain point and then go to the, uh, the, the biblical application of that. And I want, I don't want it to, I really don't want it to sound preachy. I want it to be more like I'm coming alongside of someone and putting my arm across their shoulders and talking to them. But again, there's a balance in that because they are looking to me for an authority. They don't, they don't want me just to say, well, what do you think? You know? And so there's, there's a balance there too, but I think it's just another, another way to tell a story. And that's the way I look at it. So Les, what are the things that you've struggled with as you've built this uh, or made this career change and built this different business? You know, what are the things that haven't really gone well? First is mindset, believing that you, that you really, that it's possible. Um, but just because it's, it's still not, con- what I mean by it is that the whole uh, having our own, having our own business, our own platform, uh, our own, our own tribe, it's still not conventional, you know, and one of the hardest things about it is even to try to tell your close friends and family members what you're doing. <laughs> They're like, well, you're just kind of hanging out of the house all day, you know, and that you're, that you're really working. They, but here's what the thing that I've had to just come to realize is that they'll, they just need to see it more that you're not going to be able to convince them uh, or it's just not it the our brains aren't, aren't really wired that way yet so we still most people still think hours for money uh, or tasks for money but i'd say that's part of the hardest part of it is to try to get people to understand and then um you know the the mindset part of just even to, to think that it's possible but it, that's again the importance of having the people around you that are being successful in it so then you say, you know, I can do this. This is this is possible, and then to find to find that uh, that tribe that that you want to serve and lean into that and not try to do it all. As a follow up to that question, Les, um, you know, I remember we were chatting. I think at the last meeting about really getting knocked down and just wiped out with a tragedy or just some some life event that just takes you out and. Um, takes a while to recover from. And I I think I had told the group, I was like, well, I haven't had anything. Luckily, I'm grateful I haven't had anything really awful. Like that happened to me uh, recently. And I think you were the one who were like, you were just like, yeah, we'll just wait. It's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. (laughs) Uh, Be ready for it. So, you know, we all have that time when something happens and knocks us down. How do you approach it? How do you recommend we approach it as business owners so we can continue to, to grow as business owners and, and not allow that to just take us out of the business game or even, you know, just take us out of our day-to-day lives? That's a great question. And I wasn't hoping that on you either, by the way, Kira. I don't, I know you weren't. And I think you weren't the only one who said it. I think the whole room just looked at me and they're like, oh, you think nothing bad has happened to you yet? Just wait. Knock on wood. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, uh, and may it never. Okay. Uh, I mean, I hope it never does. We, we live in a world, though, that, that does have a lot of pain. And, you know, just as an aside, that's one of the reasons that I, I do love doing what I do, because I have a message of hope and forgiveness and, and redemption. And um, I, so I would say the answer to your question is it really depends on the kind of adversity it is. 
because some of it, it's just because we live in the world that we live in and there's, there's stuff, you know, and I, I'll, I'll be more, the, the analogy that I used that helped me with you was, was this. I used to think that life was sort of like a roller coaster and had its ups and downs and some days are great and some seasons are great and some years may be great, but then there's going to be other times that we're discouraged or we're to, to in an extreme case, we're depressed. Sometimes there are uh, physical adversity that we go through, or sometimes it's personal adversity, uh, a family member, sometimes a, a wife or a husband may be abandoned by their spouse or so there's, there's certainly, there's abuse sometimes that happen. I mean, this was a wide range Here's what what helped me to to deal with some adversity, and that is to realize that life is not more like a roller coaster with ups and downs. It's it's more like parallel train tracks. So that no matter no matter what, no matter how many good things that are going on, there's something. I mean, if somebody were just a pessimist, there's there's something that is either bad or or that could at least be better. It's it's that stuff's going on. If you look far enough, there's something out there. Even on a good day, there and and there are pessimistic people that even on a good day just look at the you know the bad side of things. But the the flip side of that's also true, Kira, and that is, no matter how much adversity that we're going through, or no matter how much pain that there is, if we if we look closely enough, there's also some blessing. There's some good. You know, somebody still loves us. Somebody still cares about us. We have a place to live most of the time. There's food to eat. We may still, I mean, there's just, there's, there, there are some things that are going on that are good, no matter how much adversity there is. And I, I really, before our call, I thought about whether to share this. And since you asked the question in that way, I'm, I'm going to, you know, my home is in Alabama. And uh, currently, I'm with my family in Kentucky. I'm from Louisville originally. And uh, my dad's been, we might have talked some about this in our meetings, but my dad's been uh, battling cancer, a hard, I mean, a fight for the last several years. And uh, long story short, this past Monday, uh, he went to be with the Lord. So he passed away on Monday. And um, we're going to, I'm, I'm going to actually, uh, be doing the eulogy and the, and the message and all of, for his funeral on on Saturday. So it's Thursday now. That's going to be Saturday. And my life, my my dad was an amazing man. But in, it, as far as personally, I don't know of anybody personally who's who's gone through more adversity than he has in the last few years. And because of because of what we believe about the hope that we have in Christ. We certainly believe that he is in the presence of the Lord today. He's certainly not suffering anymore. He's not in pain anymore. And my mom, who was his primary caregiver, that such a burden, such a weight was on her that that, that that's over now. There, there are other burdens for, for a while, but, but that, the, that part, the hardest part is over. And so we're here and we're, we're going through this process and we're, we're, we're grieving in our own way, but certainly not as those who have no hope. And at the same time, there's this sweet, there's this sweetness really, and this 
uh, the, the love that our family is experiencing right now. We're kind of scattered. We don't see each other very much. And we've been together this week and we've told these, these crazy stories about dad and, and we've laughed and, and we've cried and we've even seen some, some, uh, transformation take place and some people that were that that had been you know dealing with some internal stuff and man i just if my if my dad were here with us in in the home and seeing these things he would be full of such joy to see that even his leaving this world has brought about such good things in the in the in the face of you know what a lot of people would say is tragedy so I hope that gets your question. I think to see the reality of, you know, there there is a lot of pain and adversity in the world, and 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 a lot of that we cannot control. But here's the thing, Kira and Rob, we can absolutely control how we respond to that pain and adversity. There's an author, a Christian author named Johnny Erickson Tata, who was a world class athlete and was injured and paralyzed in a diving accident several years ago now when she was a young adult she she is a, a quadriplegic she she's an artist so she paints by putting the end of the of a paintbrush in her mouth these beautiful paintings and she paints on that canvas in that way and she communicates in in, in other ways electronically and all that so here's what johnny erickson taught and she's full of just joy genuine joy and here's what she says in our world Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. Yeah, it's, that's a yeah, powerful concept. Um, so I want to ask one last question, Les, and it, it kind of ties into a little bit of what you're talking about here, and that is about volunteering and spending your time you know, serving others, which I know has been a big part of what you believe in and, and the things that you do. Can you just, you know, in a, in a minute or two, um, Tell us why that's so important and the impact that that can have on not just our personal lives, but on our businesses as well. Absolutely. Well, first of all, for me personally, um, it's important because of of what what the Lord Jesus said about serving others. So the Gospel of Mark says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, and the Last Supper, and ironically, while some of his disciples were sort of arguing among themselves about who would be the greatest <laughs> in his kingdom, he took the role of a servant and he got up from his place and took a basin of water and began to wash their feet. And he then he said, I want you all to do for one another what I'm doing for you. And he wasn't talking about literally washing their uh, one another's feet. He's talking about serving each other. So just personally, that's the motivator for me. But, you know, whether you're a person of faith or not, it's it's a value to this world to serve other people and i'm so thankful that we do we are living in a time where it just seems as if more and more people are looking for ways to outlive their own life whether that be to go to go to a place in in africa and help provide a, a well and drinking water for children there or Helping to to build an orphan uh, an orphanage for you know AIDS orphans in an, a part of the world, or helping uh, provide medication and, or or education in a part of the world that struggles, or going and serving in a place. My uh, my children are serving in other places around around the world as workers and learning different languages in order to do that. And I 
you know, I, I grew up in a generation that was more where we were referred to as the me generation. Uh, and I'm so, but I'm so grateful to see a generation of people who want to really serve uh, that are, that are impacting the world right now. So even for whether you're in a faith, faith community or not, we want to leave an impact on this world. We want something to be here bigger than ourselves after we're gone. And I think that's a great way to do it. Well, Les, I know we are at the end of our time together, and um, this has just been really—it's just been really wonderful to hear from you and uh, receive all your advice and in stories about your father and family too. So, thank you so much for being here. And where can our listeners go if they want to just you know check you out, see what you're creating in the world, and uh, get a closer look at what you're putting out there? Sure. Thank you. The um, best places to go would be leshughes.com. It's just L-E-S-H-U-G-H-E-S.com. That kind of, that's where all the stuff goes. And then uh, for the leadership and, and coaching and business world, kingdomboardroom.com is that place. But even if you go to leshughes.com, you can get there eventually. So leshughes.com, kingdomboardroom.com, that's where everything is. Awesome. Thanks, Les, for your time. We appreciate your, uh, your, your experiences and your advice and the time that you spent sharing them with us. Oh, thank you all so much. Great talking with you. And uh, I hope you both have a, have a great and successful year. Okay? Thanks, Les. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode. Mm-hmm.